you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. Welcome to the ultimate guide for Google Ads for 2023, part two. I don't do it my hands. <laughs> this, is, this is actually four, really. It's part four. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually part two. Yep. Part two. <laughs> and the last time we talked about building a search campaign for brand specifically, we also talked about mm -hmm. standard shopping. Today, mm -hmm. we're talking about remarketing, my favorite topic in the whole wide world. Dude, remarketing is the unsung hero <laughs> of marketing. Like the fact that people treat this as an afterthought, mm -hmm. it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's basically free conversions. Remarketing costs you the least <laughs> and it produces the most. Yeah. And there's a double-edged sword there too, because you can over-remarket and really drive up your cost for acquiring a customer or repeat customers and that you never become profitable on. Or you don't see any click attributed conversions and you're not measuring your overall MER. And then when you stop remarketing, your ROAS looks better, but then your overall company starts to die off. It's an amazing, sensitive topic that is absolutely needed. Like we cut our cost for acquiring a customer in half when we started doing heavy video remarketing for, for Solutions 8. It was fantastic. But yeah, I love how casually you said, and then your business starts to die off. It's no big deal. Well, it's funny because that's what we're seeing with, we shot a video called that's in Performance Max. Is Performance Max right for your business? And we have use cases where you can have a 2,500 ROAS if remarketing is done right, or you can pay for your existing customers every time, which you'll just kill your business. So it's really, really sensitive to how and who you're targeting and how much you're spending on it. And I think that's where the magic lies is performance max is amazing for retargeting. It is amazing. If you have low LTV and if you have a higher AOV, it is a machine that just runs. If you have lower AOV, but your LTV is fantastic, like kind of $15, $30 items, but they buy it every three to six months, then too much marketing would look good, but then start to eat into your profits. And I think it's a really simple formula that every ads manager, business owner, whomever you are, if you're in business, you may have not have thought about this, but it's something you can't deny. If it costs you $25 to get a conversion and it's a $50 product, you make a 2x return. Good. Now, if your remarketing is getting a $13 cost per acquisition CPA and you're still making, let's say, $50 because it's a second purchase or maybe even the first purchase, if it's too heavily skewed towards repeat customers, which a lot of times it is Pmax, a lot of times it is. Your ROAS always looks good. It's like $15 to make 50. So it's a little bit over a 3x return. Looks really good. But let's say you have a $50 product, but that $50 product has a 50% profit margin. Now you're making $25. Well, if you're spending $13 to $15 to make that $50 sale again, and you're only making $25 in profit, you've taken your $25 profit margin of repeat value and just took $15 right off the top. So now you have a $10 profit. Mm. ROAS looks good, but you've cut your profit in more than in half and you'll do that forever. You're mm -hmm. just paying for traffic you would have gotten otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why Performance Max always looks really good on those return customers is because they usually get a inbound brand click for a dollar or a display remarketing click for 48 cents at a $50 sale. ROAS is amazing there, but that's where... When you take a deeper look into remarketing, segmenting your audiences and also segmenting out your customers and also potentially using a customer audience that is going to be a little bit tighter from the subscription into that audience is going to be really good. We'll talk about all that today. I'm excited. Cool. It's funny, man. I feel myself getting nervous because, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been on stage or shot a video and I'm like, you absolutely have to bid on brand. You absolutely have to run remarketing. <laughs> and, but there's nuances to it too. It's the golden mean. It's the middle way. Yeah. It's yes, you have to do those things, but you also still need to be careful with it. Viability to both points. There's never not a reason to run a campaign. That's what I've always learned is there's never not a reason to run it. But what you'll do is you'll find out how to manipulate that campaign to the best of your own personal business situation. 
Like, do you run brand? Absolutely. Just never over what you need to. <laughs> That's like, well, that doesn't make sense. So it's always a, a moving target. And then you throw seasonality and new products and new competitors in there and you got to start all over again. And that's why we're here. That's right. That's why agencies <laughs> exist. All right, let's dive into it. How do we build a remarketing campaign? Awesome. First thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about audience segmentation. So I'm actually going to go into our own channel here for a moment. <sighs> I know. the kimono. Yes. Kimono or Komodo? <laughs> I think it's kimono. I think kimono. Komodo is the dragon. So let me do this here. I'm going to mid-journey right now, and I'm asking for a Komodo and a kimono. <laughs> <laughs> I love AI. I'm so excited to what AI can do. I'm super excited. A lot of people are nervous. For a record, I don't think AI is ever going to necessarily fully replace job positions that aren't work kind of already replaceable right now. But I do think that they're going to be very much supplemental. It's pretty cool. Here's what I wanted to share with you. Inside of Google Ads, I like Google Ads because right now in the time that I'm shooting this, which is January 2023, UA is being moved away. GA4 is coming out this year as a standard. I don't want to make a 2023 guide with that transition because UA is going away even though I favor it more. So I normally do this in UA. If you're a Google Ads manager right now at this time, you already know how to create an audience in UA. That's still my favorite. The problem is that goes away in June. Potentially. Mm. There's talks about them pushing it next year, but I don't want to put that in the guide here. And I don't want to do GA4 because I'm missing those audience members, even though match rates are 100%, I'm missing half of them. So I don't want to use that as a guide here as well. So what I'm going to do is give us a sort of blueprint. And that blueprint is going to be applicable to whichever way that you can craft this audience. So I'm in a little bit of a transition mode, but I think the theory still hold water, whichever method that you use to create UA, GA4, Google Ads, audiences, etc. So take that with what you can and manipulate it to your end user situation. If you're in the EU and you have privacy restrictions, it's going to be a little bit different for you if you're in California or whatever it may be. But I still think that these guidelines, this blueprint is correct. So in, in 2023, we're kind of edited. There's many different ways that you can start to create an audience that you can start to remarket to. GA4 is going to be the standard in June, potentially. There is talks that Google will be pushing it out another year, but it really all depends upon how urgent they need to get the privacy situation figured out with third-party cookies. So even though this is first-party cookies, the methodology or the methods to which you are going to be able to create these audiences may change in 2023 as you watch this video. I'm going to use the Google Ads tag just because it seems to be fairly Switzerland right now. It's not going to be susceptible to the UA to GA4 switchover. And you can still do you know a really, really, really good job at tagging these audiences. And it's in, within Google Ads, so it's very safe. But the blueprint that I'm going to share with you as to kind of best practices or things that you're going to want to, you're going to want to follow, whether you use UA and then you have to change over in June, or if you use GA4 and you're not experiencing any double event issues that they're experiencing now, or you use this method here. But I think good things to think about. About, rather than just tagging all visitors. First one I want to do is add to cart. And one of the things I wanted to share with you and something that I see quite often is an over attribution of the tagging for these users and kind of just a catch all, which we want to refine that. What I mean by that is we want to be very about how long we want to remarket these users that's not really controlled inside of the campaign. Typically, inside of a campaign for like GEN or any sort of marketing, you're going to set a frequency cap sometimes. That's what people do. They're like, ah, you know, I don't want to be in too intrusive. If they see my ad five times and then they don't click on it, maybe that's good enough. Mm. And that combats the bidding strategy. 
because bidding strategy says this person is taking a little bit longer, but I need to keep following up on them. But if you say, no, 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 bidding strategy, you have to stop at five. You kind of cut it off at its knees. Essentially, you stop it from doing its job. The bidding strategy will do the exposure to the person. Frequency capping, it's sort of arrogant. So you know the exact time that this person is going to need to see this in order to convert. It's going to take less than five. When they were talking to their spouse or their partner, whatever it may be, and they're trying to decide and you're now gone, they'll never see you again. It's kind of interesting. So what I'm thinking, what I like to do, and our thinking here is if I have an ad to cart item, first thing you want to do is check your timeline. How long does it usually take before a person sees an ad until they convert? Sometimes that's like eight days. Sometimes it's 22. It just depends on the specific time lag. And the way to find time lag, because I think this is going to be good for everyone to see, is your time lag is going to be your sales cycle. It's really nice to see how long it takes for a user to see an ad and then actually convert. This is also why conversion tracking is really important and only following the right conversion tracking. Because if you're looking at conversion tracking, and we got to have this blurred out because this is our account here down the bottom, but that blue line is the only thing I wanted to share with you. But the time is extremely important because you how long you should be remarketing to someone. In our account here, it takes 20 days. After a person starts to see, and we're heavy in YouTube, so it makes sense. It takes 20 days after an impression. So when they start seeing our YouTube ads for your conversion data to be reported, and I only count the conversions I want to see. I do not count a stay longer than two minutes on our website. That's not a conversion. That's activity. It's not a conversion. It's a false conversion. Look at the conversion that you actually want. When you look at the conversions that you want, this will tell you of the conversions you're trying to get, here's how long it takes. That's why conversion tracking to important metrics are very important. So 20 days. Excellent. So let's just say that that was my add to cart, 20 days. So I'm going to use visitors of a web page, for example, and web page, web page visits in the last, let's say 30 days. Okay. Ask a I mean, question real quick about that timeline. Sure. That 20-day time delay is based off of Google's attribution. We've kind of been bitching about it this entire time, that their attribution windows are flawed. So should you extend that by a reasonable percentage just to give yourself some padding? Or because Google can't see it anyway, it sort of doesn't matter. You can absolutely extend it. That's going to be the average. Now, where were the specific goal for your company will depict, will choose that. So for example, if an average is 20, it could be as low as one day or it could be as high as 40. What you're going to have to understand though, is that you're going to pay, especially in YouTube remarketing, you will pay no matter if they click or not. Mm. So if you say most of them or the average is 20. If you do 20 and you capture 80% of the conversions, you could have a remarketing CPA of, let's say, $10. I'm just going to use round numbers. But if you extend it out to 40, you may have 20% more conversions, but now your $10 CPA went up to 18 because you have a lot more people that are really disinterested further out that are not engaging with the ads that you're paying for if your audience size doubles. So you have to find that timeline to which you are going to want to remarket smartly, or you can also go back and start to increase it and see how your CPA reduces if you start to go too far out in your targeting. And I see this actually, the timeline really moving in the opposite direction. It seems to be a shift in the last about one to two years. It was really Amazon, in my opinion, that we are in a very instant gratification type of world. We've been there for probably a decade, but it's just in Google ads, it seems to be that we remark for three days and it's actually cheaper to get a new conversion than it is to bring an uninterested person back and convince them after a week after they said no. So it's kind of interesting where you can spend dearly trying to convince that person that you'll never see and never talk to, but you're delivering your message to them and hope that they say, well, you know what, gosh darn it, you, you got me. Like, 
<laughs> or, you know, it might be cheaper to just show up for the person that is like, Hey, I actually want to buy your product. Think of it like your sales sales pipeline, or even a salesperson. If you're a salesperson, you have two people that are in front of you. One says, ah, I don't really know. I'm going to think about it. And they leave. And the other person comes in and says, I agree to that price. Who would you talk to? That's kind right. of the scenario. That's what we have to kind of manipulate is your timelines. And that's what I think is really important. Most often people will take a web page visit and I'll refine an action page URL contains, let's just say forward slash cart. Let's just call that here. Or you have a tag of add to cart, maybe. However, you're going to use your actions to tag them. Page visit, cart. You can even use an event, like people that have an add to cart trend, add to cart conversion tag. Lots of good ways that you can actually start to build this audience as a segment. But if you say people that have visited in 30 days and the web page visit, but page URL does not contain forward slash success, if this is your thank you page here, what you're looking at is building an audience of people that have added an item to the cart, but did not go to the success page. So they didn't buy. Make sure that you do this. People will not do this for some reason. Then they'll extend this out to, I think 90 days is the first we can do this. And then they'll pre-fill it with a pre-fill the segment in the for 30 days. Or I think the max that you can do is 540. I've seen this a lot of times. If I do 550, will it tell me no? Yeah. So 540. So they'll put everyone that's added an item to the cart for 540 days. They'll backfill it for 30 days. They won't exclude the converters. And now you're paying for everybody who has bought from you and not bought from you in the last basically year and a half and is no longer interested. This, don't just try to say, hey, I'm just going to capture everyone to add the cart and I'm just going to hit them. You're going to pay for that, even if they don't click, if they're running, let's say, a YouTube remarketing. So that's why the timelines are important. My time lag is 20 days. I'd probably start at 30 days. So in the past 30 days, if you add an item to the cart and you didn't buy, I'll backfill it for the past 30 days so my campaigns can start now. But if you have a three-day time lag, maybe you're only doing this for seven days. It just depends on how you want to have this audience subscription be included in a duration. This means once eight days lapses, these people are out of our remarketing audience. I'm not going to remarket anymore. I want the last seven days of add to carts that didn't buy. And you can make sure that you can say add to cart last seven days. This is fairly standard practice with a lot of good agencies or good advertisers, but I wanted to kind of give just a guide to 2023 that this is something that you should be doing because you're going to pay for it. I would say the bulk majority of building out an audience, you can do add to carts, begin checkouts. You can have people that your lead generation looked at your landing page, your contact us page, your homepage, but also didn't check out. So you make sure that they're, they have some purchase intent or some, some sales intent there. I keep harping on the fact that conversion paths are important. You need to understand your conversion path of your users, your buying journey. You could use it with third-party attribution tool. You could use it with heat mapping and screen recording software. You can even use it with Google Analytics of the behavior paths. So everybody has this right now, the behavior paths like, okay, when people hit the landing page, where do they go? And then only filter the ones that have converted. Where do these people most often go? Really, really, really know your conversion paths because if you don't, you're going to guess and then spend someone else's money on your guess. You know, there's tools available for you. You can use that. So I think that that's important is building those audiences. Hopefully GA4 is awesome this year and you can simply apply those rules there. Another, what's that? You don't sound convinced. <laughs> what? We, I had a Google rep when we we're missing conversion says, hey, we can open up a ticket, but we're just waiting for GA4. I said, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> They're like, we're fixing it. I said, all right, cool. 
Google's just like, yeah, we know it's broken. The other part too, I think is important is if you look at your average bounce rate, your average bounce rate is sometimes 60 to 70% on paid traffic. On the low ends, 40, 50, on the high ends, 80. There's no right or wrong answer for bounce rate. It's really, really important to know who your audience is. And if you're trying to go really, really, really cold traffic with a content pivot, like I know you're looking for this or maybe this is this, but have you seen that? That's going to be a higher bounce rate. That's okay. One thing that I would say though, as a good rule of thumb is whether you're using UA or GA4, exclude the people that have stayed less than 10 seconds that'll mm-hmm. cut about half your audience size out the people that have only stayed nine and seconds and below or 10 seconds and below means that they bounced they got to the page and said nope and then they left you don't want to pay for those people because you're going to show them youtube ads or you're going to show them display ads and your audience size is going to be potentially double you think about it if half if your bounce rate is on the low end at 50 percent, means half those users are not interested do not remarket them don't just include them in your in your audiences so you can save half your ad spend on remarketing. You can cut your CAC down. You can increase your media efficiency ratio by simply not spending on uninterested parties. So it's a good practice. How much of it are you customizing on a content basis? Like for instance, let's say we have just to make it binary. We have a lead generation service page and an e-commerce service page for Solutions 8. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's interested in Google ads for lead gen, they go to page one. If somebody's interested in Google ads for e-commerce, they go to page two. Mm-hmm. How much do you find yourself customizing, retargeting based off of intrinsic qualification of content engagement? E-commerce more often than lead gen. I think that's also a byproduct of the clients that we take. In my opinion, Google ads is not going to work very well for lead generation if you don't have a very clear offer mission statement service. Now you're going to have different services that you can offer. And that's where you'd say, well, like an, an attorney, if someone's going on the family law page, I'm not going to show them an ad for building a will or an accident injury case. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to, you want to have your messaging targeted to those users based on their activity, or even the users who have clicked on a specific ad, because the targeting and the keywords in those specific ads are going to be relevant. Definitely want to make sure that your, your ads are relevant to how they found you and where they went. Very little do you have a person that's like, I need an accident injury attorney. And then they get to your site like, oh, I also need a divorce. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. It could have been the accident. You don't know. It could be. <laughs> it depends on who hit it. But yeah, so that's a really good, good use case. The add to carts usually are pretty, pretty safe. And I'll actually share with you one of the reasons why I like, why I like add to carts for e-commerce and how you actually manipulate that. But the other part, excuse me, but the other part for lead generation is, yeah, make sure that you're segmenting your audiences based on the services. Now for Solutions 8, we're a Google Ads agency. All of our remarketing is going to be relevant. I don't know the exact specific pain point that they're experiencing, but if I put enough ad content out there remarketing them by proving to them that we know what we're doing, kind of like this, then- That way we make these videos? Hey, (laughs) there's an ulterior motive here. (laughs) (laughs) But good is you can really, I think you can set yourself apart in many different ways and not necessarily try to pick and choose the pain point that you know they're experiencing unless you have a landing page dedicated to it. And then you're tagging that page visitors of divorce and went to the contact page and did not reach the success page. Perfect. Now I have an audience built right for divorce attorney. Great. For e-commerce, it's actually really fun. We're going to build a YouTube remarketing campaign. I think that this is the unsung hero. The YouTube remarketing is doesn't suffer the fattiness that I think display suffers. Display, it's a good network, but there is a lot more bot clicks, even in remarketing, because the bot clicks also hit your site. And the good part about it is bots don't really watch YouTube videos. So it's nice. You know, I'm not going to be hitting a remarketing bot on YouTube if I'm trying to identify an audience on YouTube. I will pay for each one of my videos if it went longer than 10 seconds and they didn't skip the ad. I'm going to pay for that video. And to be clear, with display remarketing, generally speaking, you don't pay unless they click. Right. Bots click. That's the balance of risks there is YouTube is pay to play no matter what. 
and remarketing is effectively free brand awareness building, which I really like until they click. But to the point that you're making, a lot of those clicks are superfluous because yeah. they're bot based. Yeah. Or you get the people that are like kind of absent kids games. I think that's the other part too, is you can remove uh, the video from being shown on apps and kids games and websites why even though they make that more robust from an exclusion perspective that's really short-sighted yeah well we actually had to hack how to get that out so in order to remove and i'll drop this here just as a for fun in order to remove the audiences that are not this is what you have to exclude in placements so i'll make this a little bit bigger because this is gonna be you know the guide and i think everyone should see this but google doesn't allow you to remove apps and kids games the google adsense without youtube what this basically means is when you exclude this placement youtube ads will not run on apps and display it will only run on youtube google does not allow you to remove that this will allow you to remove that so where display is going to show on apps kids games and you're going to have to exclude those placements manually every day when they come in at a thousand per day. And then hopefully over time, your bidding strategy and your activity and your exclusions will be removing those irrelevant audiences. This does it right off the bat. Unless you're physically a person on YouTube watching a video, you will not see my pre-roll ad. So it saves you a whole bunch of money. And the best part about YouTube ads too is on average for remarketing, it's about one to two pennies per view very inexpensive. So if I have a really hot audience where it's like people that looked at this product and then added it to the cart and did not buy, and I have a video about that product and I can include a feed, but with an asterisk, you have to have a minimum of four products in order to do remarketing with a feed, but I digress. But unless I know that that has happened and you're a person physically on YouTube right now, I'll pay a penny to get back in front of you. Absolutely. It's a very, very effective marketing model. And the best part about this is when it's set up correctly, and I'm just going to give us here one shot of proof because I think that this is important to see. When it's set up correctly, it is extremely effective. And I'm going to take a client account. We're going to have to blur it out a bit, but I'm just going to share this with us here or share this with you, with you all here. I'm running a campaign that I'm scaling inside of Google ads and standard shopping. We already know the attribution is very, very, very terrible, but let's just do this. I'm going to share screen on this other client account. We'll have to blur it out. But here's what happens is hopefully this is easy to blur. My standard shopping, but it is I increased it by 162%. My YouTube remarketing did not spend any more money. I made 64% more conversions. I made 12. I spent $137 to make 929, but off the standard shopping people here because everyone I missed there started funneling to here. Great. You know, it's just however you want to attribute it, Google, that's fine. But inside of here, my YouTube remarketing to spend 137 to make 929. Here's the best part. See how there's 12 conversions here. This is last week. There's 12 conversions. I got 23 clicks. That is a 50% conversion rate on YouTube remarketing. It is amazing. And my cost per view, by the way, here is eight cents per view. Dude, that's so, unbelievable. Yeah. So it's very inexpensive. And what's nice is you don't pay per click. If you have a penny per view and it takes 10 views in order to get a click, you have a 10 cent cost per click. That's how cost per click is in YouTube is how often is a person going to click on your ad based on how many times it takes for them to see it. And then you multiply the amount of views and the cost per view by one click. And that's your cost per click. So it can be really effective because it's cheap, it's relevant, and that is a captive audience. With, and I guarantee you, no one has a 50% conversion rate on YouTube unless they're running really hyper-targeted remarketing to a good audience. That showed intent first. So let's build one. I'm going to run a YouTube ad. Here's the bad part. Even in 2023, Google still locks us into specific conversion-based bidding, conversion-based bidding strategies, I should say, depending upon your objective. I hate it so much. Like if I'm looking for like website traffic in here, 
and I'm going to use video, I can drive conversions. If I'm looking for a campaign without a goal guidance and I'm using video and I want to sequence, for example, it's like, aha, gotcha. You want conversions? Well, you're not going to get them. You know, following bidding strategies aren't available. Maximize conversions, maximize conversion value rows. There's very good reason for this. I just hate it. The reason why it's good is because when you build an ad sequence, for example, and it's important to choosing the campaign objective, and that's why this is a guide. When you're choosing your campaign objective, you're choosing if you want to leverage the Google tool, machine learning, the algorithm, the Google ecosystem as to which can help you. You're choosing if you want to use it or not. When you create a sequence, for example, in YouTube, even if it's remarketing, still could work. If you've heavily defined your audiences and you don't care for Google's automated targeting of who they think is going to buy and who's not, you can use a sequence and say, every person that is in this audience, I need to show them these three ads in these in a row where it's, hey, here's why it's good to buy from us. Check out all the testimonials from our amazing customers and a 10% off for using this discount code. I don't know. Maybe you're just going to build that, you know, remarketing sequence. You can use that, but you're going to pay per view. That's okay. You're saying, hey, this audience with this message, Google's like, so I can't show which ad first, which ad second. I can't mix the match. I can't only show one. I can't increase the frequency. You're like, no, no, no. I got it. Okay. It's like manual. You can run it, but you're going to run it manually. You cannot set up that situation then ask Google, okay, find me the people that need to see these three videos in a row and then buy and maximize that conversion. You're setting up the algorithm for failure because it's not going to know your three custom videos because it doesn't know how the people are reacting to it and then adjusting it. You don't allow people to react and Google to adjust, which is the algorithm. So it makes sense, but you just need to know that if you want those conversions to be optimized by Google, you have to choose a conversion-based bidding strategy like sales or leads. So I'm gonna use sales, I'm gonna use purchases, I'm gonna use video, it's gonna to default to drive conversions, which is good. And you still have the difference in your conversion-based bidding strategy a little bit. You can maximize conversions, you can target cost per acquisition, but that's it. You don't get maximized conversion value, don't get target ROAS. You can after enough data, but starting off, if you're building this new, you will not be able to do it. It needs, I think, at least 20 conversions per month. And then sometimes one to two months before that is identified. We're going to call this YouTube remarketing. And then this is up to you. If you sell worldwide, if you have, let's say, five campaigns that are producing products, we have five different feeds associated in five different countries, you can use all countries and territories. That's okay. Or wherever you want. This is all completely up to you of where you want to remarket and sell your products or generate your leads. Here, languages, now it's important. Remember brand campaign? We said no in English. We just use all languages. This, you're going to want to choose English because this is going to focus the ads to English-speaking YouTube channels and English-speaking people. I don't want to necessarily have a Spanish-speaking ad to an English-speaking person or vice versa. Whatever your language is in on your videos, choose that language here. Bidding strategy. I actually like starting off with maximized conversions first. I have a refined audience. I know that audience has high intent. They search for a product, they found me, they added item to the cart, and they haven't bought yet in the last seven days. I'm going to saturate that audience because I'm paying one to two pennies usually per view until I start to crank it up or my audience gets too small and I need to, my repeat frequency rate starts to go up and I pay too much for them. But I want to saturate it. I don't want to necessarily say yet, only choose the people that we know are going to buy. I need to find that first and refine it. So maximize conversions, we're going to saturate our high intent audience. Daily amount here, start low. Honestly, you don't really need a high amount of ad spend for remarketing. You can start with, let's say $20, $25. That's good. If you think about it, if you have a penny per view, 
and you have a thousand people, how much per day do you really need to hit all of those people? It's $10. It's not a lot of money. After this grows, if you're starting to scale, think about if I want to hit these people one or two times a day, 10 to $20. Perfect. You can hit a thousand people a day, twice a day for 20 bucks. Great. Again, your cost per view will vary. And that's where you need to dictate your daily ad spend. Remember that little code that we just said that Google ads sends without YouTube? This is because Google doesn't allow you to do that anymore. So it says, hey, I'd like to appear in video partners on display network. This is Google's greed kicking in. This is why it's the you versus Google. Adding in the negative placements of Google AdSense underscore without underscore YouTube.com will allow you to stop showing here. This is display, and we've all seen this. You've been on the homepage of your favorite news network, and then you see the ad playing in the corner on mute that you ignore because it's distracting. That's what you're paying for, and you're paying per view. So Google will make money autonomously by playing a video on a page that you're on and just cross your fingers, hopefully you're seeing that. You can't shut that off anymore, and that's where you spike up your YouTube remarketing spend is 70% irrelevant people. Now, if you're targeting your audience really refined, you're going to mitigate that risk. But if you want to refine it and then say only when these people are on YouTube wasting time, mm, nailed it. Or maybe looking at reviews, looking at competitors, making their purchase decision. I want to be there, especially if I'm going to be using a smaller budget. I'm going to make sure that they're hot and relevant. Content exclusions, we've already built an audience, so we're not going to use content exclusions here. The site links, again, fairly simple. Build your site links as to your best ability. Product feed, here's what's actually important here now. You can actually link a product feed. This is just a client account here. You can link a product feed to your YouTube remarketing. This is really good because this is going to show dynamic ads. So for example, you sell staplers. You also sell pens. You also sell pencils. You also sell paper. You also sell printers. You sell everything. But I came to your site and I added a stapler to my cart. When the advertiser shows you my YouTube ad, I'm going to have four staplers on my website that are next to me, next to the YouTube ad. Or if it's on mobile, it's going to be below the ad. But using a feed means that I can actually rope in products next to my remarketing video and show you the product that is in your cart ready to be checked out. And my YouTube video isn't necessarily going to be about staplers. You can segment a ad group for each one of your products. You can shoot a very specific video for each one of your products. You can build the audiences of only people that added a stapler to your cart. You can get really granular if you wanted to. Starting out, if you wanted, you can simply use a very good ad video that says, hey, I really love your business. We have the fastest shipping. We have the best customer service. We have the best prices. Amazon can't even touch us. We ship also as fast as they do for free. I'm just trying to earn your business as an online e-commerce e store, and I'm just using really generic ad copy. But right next to me is that stapler you wanted. So that's how you're building a feed along with a video. And you can build it per video, per product, because of a group of products, you have to have four. Just remember that if you add a feed, you have to have four products at a minimum. You cannot use just one product, so at least have four variations of what you're trying to get a purchase out of. But that feed here is can be really important and powerful. Devices, here's the other part that I would say is important. Change, not showing all eligible, set specific targeting for devices, remove TV screens. Your mileage may vary. As I like to say, you may want to keep TV screens because it's amazing brand awareness, but I can guarantee you there's not a person that's going to see a five-second pre-roll ad that is going to keep watching it for the 30-second duration, find their clicker, go navigate your site, begin, and actually check out and buy. So for a conversion-based bidding strategy, TV screens do not convert. 
good for placement, good for awareness, good for remarketing. They don't convert. Do you think this changes once the smart TVs really become more prolific? Because I mean, they actually come with keyboards, but that seems to be the rate limiting step. It's going to be the same as mobile, in my opinion. When did it really, when did people become mobile first in their development? It was like when in the United States, like 80% of the population had phones, like smartphones. Yeah, maybe it's a good question as it's to the tipping point, because you'd want to blame the iPhone for that. But I think even once the iPhone was the ubiquitous truth, most websites weren't mobile first. So it was right. like this weird tug where the internet brought us to the mobile, but the mobile brought us to responsive and then the webs became responsive. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, now most of what we're doing is, I still think it's interesting that there's a significant amount of our web experience that's not mobile, uh, not even yeah. mobile enabled. Dude, I just signed up for Brandon Turner's mastermind yesterday and I used Circle. So I'm not picking on Brandon. Brandon's a great guy. Go join his mastermind. He's awesome. But we're using Circle, which is a community builder. And in order to build my profile, I had to be on a desktop. <laughs> the note from Circle said, hey, the profile builder is not enabled on mobile. And I'm like, oh, that's a problem. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I know it's a departure, but I think it's really interesting because I think that as smart TV becomes more prolific and it's, dude, it's spreading like wildfire. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I think those ad placements are going to get real valuable. But I know what you're saying as far as it's tough for people to take action. Yeah. You know, so well, you know what I think is Google was smart though, and they just said we're just gonna enable it by default and not even gonna tell you. And over time, as smart TVs become more prolific, you're just gonna see your conversion rates get better. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a self-fixing item. You as an advertiser can control well depending on your offer, maybe you're offering something that is to a lower AOV to a person that doesn't need to be very affluent and they don't have smart enabled TVs and you're like, just not going to show it there. So it really depends on your audience, household income. And then if it's something that is more of an impulse buy, I'm not going to sell a $28,000 piece of medical equipment through your TV and be like, oh my gosh, finally, grab my keyboard. Well, it's funny you brought that up because I've been <laughs> meditating on this point a little bit since you started talking about remarketing. I think that your rules are very sound, obviously, but I think that for people in a really specific specific niche. Like you brought up the $28,000 medical device. Like if I'm selling something high ticket to a very specific niche, you know, like optometrists, for instance, there's only some where there's 30,000 optometrists in the United States, mm -hmm. right? So it's like a really, really, really narrow audience. Part of me feels like, man, if you were on that page, I'm going the 540. You know what I mean? I'm going all 540 days and I want to just be in front of you and melt your face because it might end up being worth, especially if I'm maximizing my ad spend everywhere else, it might actually end up being worth sort of saturating the market, let's say. Absolutely. I think, you know, what's interesting is you bring up a really good point. Like you will want to spend without tracking those conversions. And that kind of brings us right back to that Murr discussion too, where it's like, okay, even if that campaign shows a loss our campaigns show a loss in remarketing at google but dude all i yeah. hear people say is i see you everywhere you won't stop right. following me around all i do is see your face i call myself right. digital herpes i'm like i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's funny for us my cost per lead on youtube is four thousand dollars if i look at google ads in reality is 380. What's so interesting about that is you just closed two six-figure deals. One yesterday, one the day before. One of them was referral, right? But one came from YouTube. One was referral, but the reason why they wanted to talk to us is because our referral partners send them our YouTube video. <laughs> okay. So, but it's not a paid YouTube yeah, ad. Right, so we'll take them YouTube off the ad. table. But we paid $380 for a lead and we just got a six-figure deal yesterday mm -hmm. off of YouTube. Right. And that's what's interesting is like, there's an interesting paradigm though, that I think that this is where we could digress a bit, but I won't. Your YouTube videos, let's say marketing to an audience, not your remarketing videos, but your proactive videos will do remarketing. When I'm talking about specifically YouTube remarketing, this still, in my opinion, applies for a short sales cycle. I'll actually pull up our ads account. And this is where I think it also would become very situational. This will blow your mind because it blew my mind. I'm going to look at conversion by conversion time. And this is just from November. Now there's a lot of aspen here. There's $300,000 in aspen here. This is a lot. This is my proactive non-remarketing. This is my remarketing, but this is my proactive 
the proactive account. When I sort descending by conversions, every single time you see a split conversion, it means that a person saw this ad and another ad at least, mm. potentially five more, and then converted, whether they clicked or not. So YouTube proactive for us specifically means Cosm could be influenced by the 0.99, the 0.92, the 0.79. Check this out all the way down to 001, 001, 001, wow. 001. So when you say, hey, the 540 melt your face, that's what this campaign does. Now, as soon as you make it to the website, you add it to cart and you're about to buy. This campaign, though, is still going after you. I haven't excluded those people. My remarketing campaign is going to be focused on converting those people is going to be hyper focused. So for us, I have 50 videos that are melting your face. But if you add an item to the cart, this one's going to try to hunt you down and get you to convert. But you're still going to see both unless I exclude the add to carts to my prospecting. But I don't because you see that I have videos that influence a person by point. 0.01 and 0.99, these people may have seen four or five or six videos even before they got to add the item to the cart. So it's definitely dependent upon what campaigns you're using for that saturation effect. Like you say, I see you everywhere. They may not even have made it to our site yet, but they're still going to mm. see us everywhere. So it's really cool stuff. And I, I love the paradigm because you may not be running heavy YouTube. And so your model of, okay, if you're not doing heavy prospecting, your remarketing should be doing kind of heavy prospecting, I guess, before they even buy. It's completely situational, which is really cool. That's what makes our job hard. I know <laughs> why people should pay us. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, for us. Like that's exactly right. And if you're running heavy inbound shopping and you're like, Hey, I have a $30 product. You probably want to be more selective. If you have a $30,000 product, open that thing up to 540, exclude your converters and just hit them as you know, much as you can. Your maximized conversions bidding strategy will pick up the slack and say, this person's a hundred days old. He doesn't watch our videos anymore. Or she doesn't watch our videos anymore. Stop showing that ad to them. And that model absolutely works. It just depends on what you can afford to pay for that new customer. Cool. This is so much fun. I love this stuff. I usually don't do operating systems, device models, networks. I don't really look at this at all. I'd usually just focus on TV screens if I need this campaign to start to convert. Frequency capping. I don't use this. I use duration. I don't use frequency capping. I have a big problem with frequency capping. Do you have a difference of opinion? I hate frequency capping. No, I think it's stupid. Why would you? You already made this point, but it's like, are you smarter than the AI? You know, like yeah. Google thinks that you're going to, I don't know. <laughs> right. I think I'm the same way. Third-party measurement. If you have a third-party vendor, you can attach it here. Add group name. Again, this is where it gets custom. We're talking about the structure. Here's the products. Now, if I look at all products or specific products, you'll see here include at least four products is required. So if I wanted to choose a product on this page here, but if I wanted to sew specific products in this ad group, this is okay. If you're going to show in this ad group, and let's say I have staplers, I have to select at least four staplers. I can't choose one stapler. It won't work. So if you're going to use a feed and if you're going to build a video for those products, you have to have at least four products. You can have four variations, which is kind of a neat workaround. Well, let's say you have a t-shirt and you have a small, medium, large, extra large. Boom. Now you got four products. <laughs> if you're few, including all your variations in your feed. John, have you um, ever done anything just like straight down middle of the lane the right way? Or is now, it always? <laughs> <laughs> now, I know how to break that. I feel like the Russian guy in Rocky. I'm like, I will break you. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Here's your audience that you built. Go ahead and attach your audience here. Optimize targeting. What's funny is you can opt out of this afterwards. Yes, do that. Here's the you versus Google again. Optimize targeting. Optimize targeting helps you get more conversions by using information such as your landing page and asset. You can speed up optimization by creating or adding an audience or opt out afterwards. Yes, opt out. It's a remarketing audience. <laughs> That's all we'll talk about there. And then from here, I'll, I'll just grab one of our videos. Yeah. Here is one of our YouTube videos here. Uh, ignore that. About $300,000 in ad spend just this last few months that shows that this is not actually, you know, 
always the case, dependent upon your messaging and your offer and whatever it may be. If you have a longer a video that's longer than three minutes, but it is a product highlight video with testimonials and it has a really good quality and engagement. I don't mean good quality as in like, is your camera really expensive? I mean, it's just not a shaky cell phone video that people are going to get nauseous watching. So just make sure that if it's a good quality video, you can go four, five, six minutes. Not a problem at all. We've had really, really good success with longer videos, more so than sometimes shorter videos, depending upon what you need to do. If a person's added an item to the cart and they're ready to check out, but they're not sure, take some time and really explain why you're the person that they need to buy from or hire, whatever. You drop your video here, the final URL, whatever your web address is or whatever your product page is, this is going to be heavily dependent upon your situation. You can send a four item feed remarketing video back to sometimes a collection of pages. Don't necessarily need to send them back to the product page. You can also send them back to the group of pages. If you have leather couches, you can have sole.com forward slash leather dash couches, and you can have them choose their journey if they're still not decided yet. So you don't need to beat them over the head with the product that didn't buy. They didn't buy it for a reason just yet. So you can say, hey, I know you're interested in a leather couch that is in your cart right now. Have you seen all of our other leather couches? You can sometimes give them different variations. Again, I don't use Display Path. I think it's confusing and I think that it takes away from our brand name unless you want to have like something like couches for slash leather. You can build a fake URL here. I don't know. I hope this goes away soon. I really hate it. Call to action. This is actually going to be one of your most important call to actions. For social day for us, for example, we actually have a watch now because our ads run the video on our YouTube channel. I don't tease you with a 30 minute video in the first 10 seconds. I'm like, here's how to do something and then send you to my webpage. You're gonna be like, well, I wanted to learn that. <laughs> so I usually use watch now, but again, you can have shop now, you can have buy now, you can have book now if you're trying to get this, you know, consultation. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do. Maybe just order now. Headline. This is, I think, important in their headline. The headline isn't necessarily, do this here, hold on. And pause that. So your headline isn't here. It's really weird. Your headline is actually after like where your call to action is. It's really odd. So it's actually not a headline. Your long headline and your description is also a little bit misleading. Long headline, keep your long headline a little bit shorter. So what I mean by that is right now, this is the title of the video is your long headline. So stop paying too much for ads. I'm just going to use a stupid example, but you'll see here, I'm only going to get this information here. I don't want to have a paragraph as my title. Make sure that it's short and distinct. You have 90 characters, don't use them because it will run over to the point where it ends up in a ellipsis. And that's where, you know, be short, be distinct. It's a video ad. I'm not going to write a paragraph. That's nope. funny, man. This is the first time we've ever said don't occupy the entirety of the real estate. Oh, so I have a caveat, and it's sure. if, if you want to tease something without intentionally teasing it. So like the most amazing thing I've ever learned about Google Ads <laughs> is, and then you just make sure that it runs right off so they have to click the video. Put dot, 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 just for yeah. purpose. <laughs> I ran out of room. I'm a horrible advertiser. And then your description. This is where it could be a little bit more descriptive. So I just chose one. I didn't even read it yet. So like, stop paying too much. And I hear you can see how smart I am. Stop paying too much for ads. Work with a local expert to create a custom marketing plan. Got it. You want to be distinct here. Again, you have five seconds just to capture their attention in the form of video. This is just going to reinforce those first five seconds, the 10 seconds to capture attention. If I said secrets to Google ads success, stop paying too much for ads. All right, I'm listening. But if it's like secrets to Google ads success, which is how the video opened, and then my 90 character says, in this video, Jumper ad will tell you the ways that you can actually stop paying too much for a remark. You want to watch that cat video you're skipping. So a little bit more sizzle here in the ad copy. Let your video be the steak. What I like to call it. Cool. And then you can create multiple, hit create campaign, and boom, you made a really dedicated YouTube remarketing campaign to a very hyper audience that is very, very relevant. That's it.
That's creating a YouTuber marketing. Why do we charge so much if that's all it takes? I know, right? Let's just press the buttons on the screen, man. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> Should we be giving this away for free? That's awesome. All right. That was the ultimate guide to Google ads for 2023 part two. In part one, we went over search campaign for your brand, standard shopping. In part two, we went over remarketing. I think let's just talk about a little bit for the display remarketing, dynamic remarketing. What's nice is this will be 10 minutes. It's not going to be a whole nother situation. Everything that you just did in YouTube remarketing, but when you create a campaign, it's really similar. What you just said is really worth meditating on for just a minute. When people skip videos, for instance, if you didn't watch video one, because you're like, okay, I know how to build a brand campaign and I know standard shopping, and then you're watching video two, and then you feel like there are things that we haven't gone over that haven't been touched categorically. Well, chances are the principles taught in video one will carry over to other things that you want to do. So even if you feel like, oh, I already know that stuff, it might be worth engaging with the content because Google is so consistent on so many levels. So you just learned how to do YouTube remarketing, but within YouTube remarketing, you actually learned a lot about display remarketing too because the principles carry over. Yeah. Soapbox finished. Thank you for coming to my mini TED Talk. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm probably going to alienate some people here, so my apologies. It's like Jordan Peterson says, oh, assume the person you're talking to is smarter than you. And so I think that kind of solves that issue there, which is if you're watching a video, you're like, hey, I kind of know that. Just watch. It's free content here. If you find one or two things that helps you or helps your client, why not? That's your job. Principles that you're learning. If you didn't make it this far into the video, maybe you didn't know that, oh, I can actually use that same situation for dynamic remarketing. Excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just the thing is you can use it because it is the ultimate guide. I'm just going to share screen sales, purchases, display, our business address here. Again, very similar. Choose location, choose your targeting, more settings here. And then you'll see dynamic ads, use your dynamic ads, select the proper feed, and then continue on with everything. Everything else give me the same. You already know your bids and budgets. The targeting is the same as YouTube. You already built your audience. Your ads, again, the ad creation is fairly simple. You can use, this is the dynamic marketing. So build your ad headline. I mean, it's just basically URL business name. That's it. Like there's really no ad copy that you're going to have to worry about too much with dynamic marketing. Use your brand campaign if you like here. Dynamic marketing is fairly automated. Dynamic marketing is simply going to show the ad of the product that they are interested in within a few parameters. They spent the most amount of time looking at it. They exited your website looking at that product page or they added it to the cart and Maybe they bought or maybe they even didn't buy. That's why you exclude those converters as well. So, but everything else that, that we talked about is very, it's very simple. It carries right over. But yeah, I just want to make, make mention that all that stuff here, when you build your remarketing audiences and you understand the methodology and you understand your, your, your timeline, you understand your budget, you understand how much cost per click and how much clicks per day for your audience size, all that stuff carries right into dynamic marketing, but it works. You can now launch two really powerful campaigns. And now I'm seeing your ads all over websites. I'm seeing you all over YouTube and you don't have to spend too much money to do so. So in part two, we went over remarketing. In part one, we went over standard shopping and search campaigns for brand. What are we going over in part three? We're going to build a search campaign because we did, we did brand, we just, we did brand standard shopping. We did YouTube remarketing. We did dynamic remarketing. We're going to build a non-brand search campaign. We're going to talk about some of the variations of broad match, phrase match, exact match, how the overlap with other campaign types, when you should be worried that they will just cannibalize each other, how many new broad search keywords you would like versus if you were doing a well-diversified exact match. Our skag's dead. Spoiler. So a whole bunch of stuff that we're Spoiler, just going to yes, talk about. They've been dead. We don't know. We have to keep having this conversation. Dude, I did 12 campaign audits the other day. I was just running a little bit behind. And I think four of them had either skags or like hyper-segmented campaign types. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, How do you think this is still going to work? 
Here's a good one. I would love if someone could do this in, if you're watching this video. If you're running Skags, choose one of your single keyword ad groups keywords. Go into tools and go into ad preview and diagnosis. Paste that keyword inside of the ad preview and diagnosis for your geography that it would show up in. And A, see if you're showing up and B, see if Google says we found seven keywords that match that search term. That will prove to you that Skags is dead. Conversion-based spinning strategy is going to be user-based, not keyword-based. It's like building those sequences. Like, I know that this person needs to see these three ads. Well, same as Skag. I know that no. this person is going to type this exactly. And then wait 22 days before they contact me. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool stuff. So funny. Cool. Well, stick around. Thank you for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe. If you want somebody to help you with Google Ads, you know who to call. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google ads agency in the world, you can visit solutions8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation. Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan, a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com, sol, the number eight, dot com.